Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Chris Ayers from the People v. Batman v. Superman podcast and also uh, DC Legacy Filmcast. And you can find me at Chris A. Creative on Twitter. As you should. Today, we are talking about minute number 52. And I'm actually going to reference a 52 because I missed it last Man of Steel. Um, <laughs> minute number 52 actually is going to start out with... Um, just a, a, a low blow from Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Just hitting Clark right there in the below the belt. And uh, the minute's going to end with uh, Bruce returning downstairs to where his computer plant thumb drive thing is. It's a good description of it, good right? Good description. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you want to talk about how uh, how savage Bruce Wayne is? Yeah, you know, obviously, I I get the reference. You know, I I understand the <laughs> the haha joke that's being said here, in in the sense of like, oh, Gotham City clown. I get it. I can put two and two together. Who but, are they talking about? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, obviously, there's some some sort of reference to the Joker in this in this line of dialogue. Is it obvious, Mark? And tell me more about it. No, I don't want to talk about <laughs> more about it. <laughs> Never been that fond of that character, to be honest. Of the um, Joker? Yeah, just oh. it's yeah. Okay, um, but I if you take this line of dialogue, just remove the the DC Easter egg from it, and you just mm-hmm. kind of think of it like, oh, it's just bad history of freaks dressed like clowns. Yeah. Imagine being this guy from Smallville, Kansas, who's like, you know what? I'm going to make a persona that people can be aspired about. And and like you dress up like Superman and you go out there and I'm yeah. Superman. You go start saving people for 18 months and then someone calls you a clown. Yeah, that is. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why I said yesterday that um, this is the minute that I ask, does Bruce Wayne know? Because if you take uh, the, the Gotham City Joker reference out of it Mm -hmm. it's like the lowest blow to superman it's like hey man i have a problem with with you like you're the freak you're the circus freak and you're dressing like a clown you know i get the whole element of you know bruce wayne could also be saying that to himself because he himself is a freak and he dresses up like a bat and goes around but anyway they're both freaks so it's kind of like these really two i wouldn't say egotistical characters but these two characters that see themselves as the symbol are just being savage on each other right now you know well one is one is yeah i guess it's just it's, it was just a, a great thing that's why i asked does he know because he looks him up and down he's like he's dressed like a clown like you man there's Get out my there's face. a lot loaded in that line because there's the he's implying a relationship with the joker uh bruce like <coughs> Bruce's relationship with the Joker, Batman's relationship with the Joker, two different things. Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, insulting Superman at the same time. But I, I kind of like to believe that he does know that he's done his homework. But I don't know if I don't yeah. know if the movie's told you at, at this point if he does, which is I just like all, all the different ways to possibly read the dialogue in these. I think is great. It's a very good play on now words. You, you can definitely tell that this hurt Clark because he even has a moment of. He has to like look down and and 
kind of get, collect himself like yeah. whoa oh man <laughs> it's like do i dress up like a clown yeah. am i being silly and possibly naive about my role here in the world and mm-hmm. it's like yeah you probably are <laughs> and, and you think a character like the world's greatest detective can't read that facial expression on you or it's like oh man yeah talking about again me. this is like it's like i told you not to bother me yeah it's and, like, i'm gonna uh, <laughs> i'm gonna hit you with it i'm gonna tell you the truth boy i'm gonna bite at you um yeah, and it, it just, it's, I enjoy it in the sense of like calling someone a clown. Yeah. It's probably one of the greatest <laughs> insults. I've been saying it for the last two years. It's my favorite <laughs> insult to call someone. Uh, it's just a, it's just a real cheap shot. It's, it works so well. So for those listening, make sure you call people clowns if you want a good insult. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard that, <laughs> that used to describe the president a lot in the last uh, year. So that's. Oh boy, he sure is. <laughs> Not to get too political, yeah. but there's um, this this movie feels like uh, the very much Trump era. That I will always associate this with 2016 and how how bad that felt. And at, at this core, the movie is about you know two billionaires trying to destroy an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's. I don't know if that was intended. We, I'm sure they didn't know how politics was going to play out in the next couple of years, but. Um, I can't, I can't quote, uh, I don't know the person's name who wrote the article, but he received a lot of praise where he wrote about this film being a, a story about an immigrant. Yeah, know, oh yeah, Kal-El for sure. trying to find yeah. his place in the world and being rejected for, and it's like, it's, it was that one, it was that young guy yeah, from, and, and some, yeah, uh, I he did, about. I don't know, his, his article did eventually reach Zack Snyder, who said, yeah, mm-hmm. this is what the story is about, it's about yeah. an immigrant who's being rejected, so I... I'm. I want to say yes. I want to say that's what it's it's about, um, and kind of confirmed by the director himself. But I mean, this is Donald Justice, Chris. If, I mean, if someone's expecting no politics to be said during the analyzation of this film, you, you, I don't know, man. There's the door. Yeah, because <laughs> everything is political. I mean, you can you can analyze anything from a political stance. And this mm-hmm, this movie yeah. is very political. Even the artwork you were just describing in the last minute is very political. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it, it, and I think you you can't ignore it. I mean, it's it's one of those things that you, you have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just be like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about politics." It's like, or when do you want to talk about politics? Mm-hmm. When it, when it suits you, or like when you feel good about it, or you know, if you kind of avoid the things that you don't like, are you are you doing yourself a favor? You know, if you don't tell someone that they look like a clown, maybe they'll go their whole life without realizing they look like a clown. <laughs> So maybe you got to set them straight once in a while, you know? So it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't get taught. Maybe it's just the Gotham City in you, Mark. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So, but I think we're all in agreement that Batman knows Clark Kent is Superman, right? I think it's still ambiguous. I like to think that he knows, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's, I like, I like the, I like how open it is. It's really left up to, do you think he does or do you not think he does? Like, it's just, there's always the argument of he is the world's greatest detective. Like, that's good. But then also, you know, wouldn't you know everything about this guy at this point? Yeah. If you like, know, that's, that's like the most logical way <laughs> to think about it. But then that kind of destroys, that takes the fun out of it. It's just fun to like get this look from Bruce when he's just looking him up and down, calling him a clown to his face. It's like, yo, you subtly know who this guy is. That's just fun. If you know he's Clark Kent, then you know he has a mother in Smallville. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which would be another huge 
uh, plot hole. Plot hole, yeah. So um, it's just fun. Maybe maybe we're not supposed to be going minute by minute and analyzing it this much. Too bad. <laughs> hey, you know what? In, <laughs> any movie fault, falls man. apart when you do that, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, so, and we all do we all agree that Clark Kent does not know Bruce Wayne is Batman? It seems very obvious. Maybe, I think, hmm, I'm gonna I think say right did, at this point, he's putting the pieces together. I think he doesn't know. Doesn't know? I don't think he even knows in this minute. Like, at the end of this minute. I think he still doesn't know. I think, I think he, he has an idea. Maybe he's not, like, saying, like, maybe he's Batman, but, like, he's, something's obviously suspicious about him. He's hearing the radio thing. Yeah, but it's, it's just billionaire trying to trump billionaire, not to use that oh, word. I didn't but, even think about that aspect of it. Yeah, it's just, you know, people being espionage, shady. Corporate espionage. Yeah, just one of those things. I don't think he's putting, oh, he's, file transfer's complete. Oh, he must be Batman. I don't think he's putting that together. I just think he's like, oh, this guy's up to something, and this guy's up to something, but like... That's seven minutes, Batman, the file transfer. <laughs> yeah, if he said Batman, maybe they'd be oh, this guy's Batman. Oh, wait. Did you say he was Batman? <laughs> now, if he can like x-ray vision and see that he's still got like batarangs in his pocket or something, then he'd be like, all right, it's Batman. But um, well, you brought up X-ray vision, and I think it's kind of funny when when uh, Bruce goes downstairs at the end of this. And I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, Clark follows him down the stairs a few feet behind him. Why why wouldn't he just mm-hmm. stay where he is and use his X-ray vision to see what he's doing? It's yeah, less, I don't um, suspicious because 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 then he would just be in a gala staring at the floor. Yeah, and people would be like, "What are you doing? Just, <laughs> just thinking about my life. I'm just having a really bad time." Oh man, yeah, like he's just looking down and it's like, "Hey, are you okay?" It's like, oh, oh, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine." Just and then keep, he would never walking. saw the TV. Oh, I'm yeah, that's ahead. the scene. And then there's then there's plot, on, plot holes get in there. That, it doesn't so. happen here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, let's just keep analyzing it further and further and just d- destroy it piece by piece. Uh, so let's talk about the third character then that shows up uh, and what he thinks about everything. I'd say fourth character. I'm fourth. still counting Diana, man. Come on. Don't leave she's her out. not in this minute. Come no, on. but she still showed up on screen. So that's the three. It's the trinity. What do we think about Lex Luthor here in this minute? <laughs> do you think he was like standing like way back in the corner just like waiting like, how did he know they were going to, like, run into each other? I mean, I don't know. See, it's, it's, that's, well, a, that's a hard question see, to ask. last week, he, he just walked know. by Clark to, like, go up to the stage, remember? And it's like, he invited the guy for a reason. Yeah. So, and like, he's just, like, waiting to see weird? if the two of them, like, want that exact moment. And then he's going to wait for them to have their witty banter. And then he's going to step in. That's just playing chess, man. Yeah, it's like playing chess. So, Chris, what do you think about good old Lex Luthor in this movie. Uh, man, I could go on for a long time about how much I dislike the Luthor portrayal in this film. Um, mm-hmm. There are scenes where he's fun. I kind of He's fun in this scene. Um, I, I, like the, I th- like the dialogue in this scene. But overall, it's, this is not Lex Luthor to me. And I think you guys have argued this is not supposed to be Lex, mm-hmm. Lex Luthor Sr. This is his young, crazy son or something. I don't know how, mm-hmm. you, uh, how you guys see it, but... Um, this isn't the traditional Lex Luthor at all. And I kind of didn't mind the idea of it like being a, the Mark Zuckerberg type that that um, Jesse Eisenberg has played before. When I heard they had, they had cast him, I think that's kind of interesting. But the, the way he portrays Lex Luthor in this is just so strange to me. It's like, it's almost like doing the Joker or the Riddler. And it's it's not very much like Lex Luthor. Yeah, we hear the Riddler a lot. Yeah. And I mean, we're, the, I mean, I'm inclined, I'm inclined to believe it as well. So it would like, you could probably play him as 
two characters and it'd be fine. Um, no, I guess the defense for that is just because a writer at one point was like, hey, I'm going to write the Riddler this way and it's very successful. Does that mean that if a, another writer writes a character in the same kind of mindset, does it now become like, oh, that's very like the Riddler? And it's like, no, it's just very like how that one guy wrote that character yeah. during that one story. And it's like, because if someone says, hey, this person's really smart, so smart that they're a little bit psychotic. Do you only attribute them to the Riddler? Then I, is it yeah. on me to always be like, oh, it's very like the Riddler. Like, what yeah. if he's more like a character from some other story that's not DC related? Maybe it's... Uh, maybe Mendy yet. Yeah. You go. Well, again, you're, we're like relating it to comic book characters. Like maybe this guy is very much like a, a James Bond character or like a, oh, okay. a Tom Clancy villain or I don't know if there's villains in Tom Clancy books, but like, <laughs> like we, we see the character and then we go, Oh, very much like the Riddler. And it's like, that's because just, we're already in the comic book. It's like my yeah. shallowness and being only able to connect those dots, but I can't do more than that. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I don't know. The the Joker thing has always bothered me. Like I don't see it. I I I don't see. Like I watched The Dark Knight last night just before you know we did this recording, and I that movie's so amazing. Yeah. And you know I just but I still don't see how someone's getting Heath Ledger's Joker and this character mixed up. I don't I don't see the connection because they're they're very different characters and they the it's the hair. It's, is it the hair? Okay. <laughs> it's it's just how, str- how off he is. He's a little bit insane in this. I mean, Luthor is so composed and put together that he's a bit scary that, you know, he's he should be really cold and kind of impersonal, I think. And I this just the characterization of him just doesn't doesn't work for me at all. I feel like, well, I see now this is hate me if you will. I feel like Kevin Spacey's Luthor was supposed to be a little insane a little off like to the fact to the, to the point where he got too obsessed you know over his goal of destroying superman that kind of drives him to the crazier side and i think we get that a little bit in like the justice league unlimited cartoon and i don't really necessarily think um you know smallville luther kind of got to that level but maybe hints to just being a little off I don't know. Yeah, a hint then you can at it. Kind of say like that's just genius. Yeah, a hint is a good. This is like way more than a hint. This guy's got issues. It's, yeah, clearly, it's he's it's, got daddy issues, man. He he definitely has dad issues. He has all kinds of issues. Um, Superior issues. They're all kind of shown here in this moment. Um, but you know, maybe they flipped it. You know, normally it's like, oh, Lex Luthor is always cold and calculated and very mm-hmm. smart, and sometimes he's a little strange. Here they're like he's strange. Almost ninety percent yeah. of the time. What if he's and erratic? Ten percent. Yeah, he's cold, calculated, and smart. So it's like it's flipped a little bit. It's like it's like you take the stats grid and you just kind of manipulate it to to what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, we'll bump up the the craziness, mm-hmm. and but he's still that smart. But how often does he show that he's that? And I think that's the thing with trying to go for this young uh eccentric billionaire yeah i hate that term um because <laughs> it's so easy but it's, yeah it's, you go for like this uh martin Shkreli type who's like a wackadoo and it's like oh <laughs> actually yeah this guy knows what he's doing and uh, it's that's that's scarier oh yeah it's scarier when you think that someone is just crazy and then they they flip the script on you and you that you go oh wow actually this guy has had me fooled this entire time and is but I think that's something that I really enjoy with this character. Um 
just everything that he says is not a wasted line of dialogue. Everything that he says or does, uh, it comes back in this film. It, it's meant something. It's there's layers to what he says. Sometimes um, he's referencing other literature. Most sometimes when he's talking, mm-hmm. it's not actually. Uh, I don't know. I just I just think that's really interesting. Um, and throughout the film, we've noticed a couple things that I've never noticed until doing this podcast. But one, he doesn't like physical interaction Mm -hmm. and uh, a little bit sexist. (laughs) And uh, I think we see both of those in this minute. Um, This is the most handsy that he's ever been in this film. Yeah. In this exact moment um, in which he's shaking hands with Clark Kent, but then also kind of giving him like a, I don't even know what that is. He's toying with him. Yeah, just just a little bump on the chest. And it's like, you, if you know who this is, you're doing that. You're For touching a, a god. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And it's like, uh, whenever he does put his hands on someone, it's because he's in control of it. Mm-hmm. Or he feels like he's, uh, yeah, he like he's dominant over that person. Yeah. And if he doesn't feel like he's dominant over that person, he's he doesn't like touching that character is what I've noticed. Um, but then the other, the other thing, the sexist thing. So like later on in the film or later on in this minute, we'll see Mercy Graves come up and, and refer to him as Mr. Luther, not Lex or not no kind of terms of endearment. I don't know what her position is with, with him. Um, but in this film, he's, he's a little, uh, he underestimates the female characters in this film a lot. Chauvinistic. Sure. Hmm. Um, he he doesn't really give them much value until they they prove him wrong otherwise, and he's kind of surprised by it. it seems in this film, you think he's gaslighting? What does that mean? But uh, what do you like? What do you mean he's ga- gaslighting? Uh, he's you know he we don't know like you said we don't know the relationship with at least Mercy, and that's kind of really the only female character that we kind of have his interaction with aside from Senator Finch and Lois. Um, hang on, and Mark. Yeah, I'm wrong on all accounts. So <laughs> I think he's. He's for sure gaslighting because what is he doing with Senator Finch? He's playing her. He's downplaying her, especially when like they have the talk of him in the office, in the dad's office. Like he's, you know, like being all nice and whatever, and then like just pretty much telling her that she's stupid for the choices that she's making, and it's just yeah. But he also didn't expect her to stand her ground and like decline his exactly. Then that's that goes with that term. It's like you're just. You just downplay everything that you know a female character or a female person could do, and it's just it, it's but supposed then it to bites him in the ass every time. Well, yeah, it's supposed to mess with him mentally. Yeah. Well, he, he clearly doesn't care about Mercy because he sends her in to die later, which is another thing that really bothers me. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, again, it, it just he pre- has no respect for humanity other than himself. He's just an extremely selfish character. Yeah, because those are beneath him. Yeah. In his in his mind. You said that if he makes physical contact with someone, it's almost like it's a domineering thing. He makes a point to shake Bruce Wayne's hand. I wrote, and it's, this is kind of the gears clicking for me. Later on, we see that Wayne Enterprise isn't doing really well. So he kind of says like, hey, thanks for hopping the harbor. Like Lex is, Lex Jr. is um, trying to get Bruce Wayne to like, hey, like come on over. I could, you, you did a lot of good work in the past. Like this is where we're headed towards now. Like come on over, like let's help. Bruce Wayne says this whole thing, like, you know, I let you drink it dry. And he, like, clearly says, 
you're welcome. <laughs> and it's like, I'm shaking your hand like, hey, you're welcome for me inviting you here. You're probably doing really bad over there in Gotham. Why don't you come over here? It's a domineering thing. Yeah. I mean, he, I think, I think the, the offer to work together is not just a business facade. Like, mm-hmm. he might really want to... He's trying to take ha- over. I think he really wants to have the Batman on his side of things. But that's just me, and I don't know if, and if that's as far as that extends, but... I don't know about on his side. I think he's just still trying to destroy him. And Wayne Enterprises with it. Yeah. You know, Lex says we finally got you over to Metropolis, but it seems like Bruce would be there pretty often. He was there in the first scene of the movie. It's, it doesn't quite make a lot of sense. It seems like it's very close. Well, maybe... Yeah, I mean, maybe not just working directly with Lex. I feel like Bruce at this point is like very closed off, and the way, the Wayne Enterprises things that he he's doing is probably just like really extremely private at this point. I mean, maybe even secluded at that fact. Maybe we don't see him in big business meetings with other people. We don't see other board members or anything like that. We really only see Bruce Wayne being just that at the head of uh, Wayne Enterprises. Really, no one else kind of involved other than the. The few employees that we, we see. We know he took a helicopter from Gotham to Metropolis during the Black Zero event, mm-hmm. uh, which could have been the only reason that he went there. Like, he normally doesn't go to Metropolis, but in that event, like, he had to be there. Yeah. Um, or maybe he used to go there all the time, and then because of the Black Zero event, he no longer goes to Metropolis. He's, you know, Superman's always there, He and he's just, maybe it's gotten to him so bad that he's always in his back cave now. Yeah struggling to deal with this superman thing that exists now so maybe those 18 months he fell down a hole it's true yeah so i want to say something about the motivation of the characters um batman and lex Mm -hmm. it makes more sense if the thing that happens at the beginning if you give that motivation to lex where you know where it's lex is watching his city fall down or his businesses that makes much more sense for why he'd want to destroy Superman. Because we don't, I don't quite understand why Lex hates Superman so much in this particular universe. Because we've just been introduced to him. That motivation would make a lot of sense. And then have him concoct a plan to pit Batman against Superman. I feel like the motivation given mm-hmm. to Bruce would... It works way better to give that to Lex. But then you would have to have the film kind of put Lex in a protagonist position. Kind of like spider-man homecoming where it's like they start the film with michael keaton's character so that you kind of get into the oh i can get behind this character he's not the bad guy yeah kind of thing and you know he really that guy i think that's central to lex's character he's always like he could be great for society he could be like one of the greatest people in the world if not for the fact that he hates superman so much right he's basically superman without the powers yeah, and even in now continuity, he is Superman. So yeah, I mean, you, I think you have to kind of like the villain a little bit and kind of see their perspective. And I can't do that at all with this Lex Luthor, but I, I usually can in the comics, even in the movies. Yeah, I mean, this Lex Luthor is definitely the epitome of um, a superiority complex. Oh yeah, is that what it is? That that's the his terminology. Like, that's his problem when it comes to Superman. Yeah, is that it's this creature is is above him. And yeah, he can't and, and stand that's, that. that's his biggest problem, you know. And, mm-hmm. it, and it stems from his father mm-hmm. because his father was better than him. And in what seems like the events that happen is that in no way was Luther Junior able to 
show that he was superior than his father. Mm-hmm. So then his father died. And we don't know how he died, but that was the only way that Luther was going to feel more superior than his father. So yeah, and all that motivation is, is like is in a couple lines of exposition early on in the movie. Exactly, right? like that's exactly yeah. it's really subtle. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it gives it enough for you to understand his motivation. The rest of the, the film, I, no, I still don't understand that. Not I watched this movie a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've even said it when I the first few times when I was watching this movie, I didn't. 100% understand Lex's plan. It's not until that I'm analyzing it minute by minute where it's like, yeah. Or you ma- watched the Ultimate yeah, Edition. Yeah, or I watched the Ultimate Edition a bunch where it's like, yeah, it makes perfect sense that this is. And it's it's subtle. Like me and Mark have said it before, like this movie is not something that is spoon-fed to you. So you really have to kind of look. And is it a fault for the greater audience to want things to be spoon-fed is it are we supposed to be looking at this like how you read a comic book where you have to analyze almost every thought bubble where comic books are read on a fifth grade level yeah so so what do you guys think lex wants out of this particular scene because i think it's really a strong scene is like you kind of understand what every character wants or hopes to get out of this interaction i think he's just toying this is just him having fun i well, what do I think of the scene's purpose? This the one, scene's purpose. Yeah. Why, why, the, why did he invite the, them here? What's what's his grand plan in putting the, these two head to head, even though if they don't know each other's identities? Well, he invited Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. and he invited Clark to show up, mm-hmm. thinking that they are going to meet. I think it's just like a toying aspect. Like it's kind of like that psychotic thinking where it's like you, you kind of. What was the what, uh, in maybe, that? Hang on. You know, it could always be like, "Hey, I think this is Superman, and I think this is Batman." So let me invite them, and if I can meet them in person, I can. No, well, Lex knows. He's been he's known that stuff for very. Yeah, long I feel time. like he, he's the only one who knows everyone's identity. Yeah, especially Batman. So right? do you think he invited Diana for the same reason? As in, I know who that is. No, I think Diana's just one of those like she goes to a lot of like the art things, and I think she has her own agenda. And she's I mean, like, he has documents on yeah, her. She's crashing the party. She's trying to get her, her, yeah. her info. Off I think she is. Yeah. She's, I don't think she was invited. She knew that because she's not wearing the colors that they were told to wear. Everyone's wearing monochromatic colors. <laughs> and uh, she's wearing red. There well, you how go. would you Obviously. know even if someone does wear color, they're going to drain all the color out of it in post-production in this film? <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't do it with Diana here. She yeah. steals the show. You can spot her anywhere. It's kind of like, did you ever see the movie Phone Booth with... Uh, Colin Farrell, right? Sounds really familiar. Sounds really familiar? Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland is also in it. He's the shooter, and he's like the guy on the phone the whole time. At yeah. the end of the movie, spoilers, like, he shows up in front of Colin Farrell, like, hey, you know, I don't remember what he says, where he's like, well, I'm glad you got out of that situation, whatever. And he was the dude that was, like, killing everybody around him. Like, he was the sniper. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like that kind of, like, the villain showing up in the face of our so-called heroes that's just toying with them, essentially. That's what I feel like is seen as kind of meant to depict. I I don't know about... Oh, go for it. It it makes for an interesting situation. I just don't know what the purpose Mm -hmm. of it was and Lex's grand plan. I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know where it's supposed to fit in that whole, (laughs) like, situation. But, again, he's just a... A wackadoo. That could be it. Um, unless he wanted Batman to steal the information 
unless yeah unless he wanted them to meet or something like that yeah we we talked about that on our podcast too like it's it's unclear if he wants batman to have it because he does kind of lead batman around i think i feel like he's leading both of the Mm -hmm. characters around it's just really hard to say what is planned and what what isn't and what's just coincidence but i mean it's the best way to to see your enemies up close without having to to uh spring the trap kind of like yeah here you get to see yeah, study them. him yeah it's That's like a good point. um i can see that doesn't that happen in uh i mean that happens in star wars right doesn't palpatine like want to see anakin doesn't want anakin to be around him so he can kind of Yes. You know, kind of study the character and, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, that's almost like you hit a two on the nose with Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, it just sometimes villains want to see their heroes in, in a non-confrontational way. That's why I said the thing about phone booth, man. Yeah. But you never saw that movie, so you don't get the reference. <laughs> exactly. So I have to use a... a There's going to be a couple people that'll be like, no, yeah, he's right. So, yeah. We'll go with that. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, then this is where Mercy comes in and refers to him as Mr. Luther, which yeah. seems like she knows her place kind of thing, which is terrible. But or is she just putting on a on a on a character not character, but putting on airs in front of uh all the nice rich people that's in the room. Yeah. Only refer to me as Mr. Luther when in public. Could be. Maybe. I uh, did underline that, you know, obviously I've said it before, that Lex says, Do not pick a fight with this person person yeah not human but not human not man it's a person yeah i like that so, that detail yeah it's very it's just always good distancing himself from the rest of humanity or distancing superman of course yeah oh yeah yeah a, a word that he does not like to <laughs> say yeah um yeah i agree completely uh so i mean he definitely knows a lot you guys really don't think he knows diana is wonder woman um he knows that diana prince is some sort of metahuman thesis character that he's going about, but I don't think he necessarily invited her there. He definitely had his graphic designers create a logo for her folder, <laughs> which is yeah, yeah. But I don't. I think she's like you said. I think she's crashing the party. I don't know, man. Well, if, if she could if she wanted to. If she wanted to crash the party, she could. I think that's what she's doing. Yeah, but I think she might have been invited. But it's also which like, is weird because like then he probably would have invited Barry Allen or something. You know, like oh, inviting this other one. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Do, why why stop it only? It would have been like a weird. Uh, what is that dinner for schmucks where they like invite weird dinner for schmucks? Yeah, you know what? It's like a. It's like a movie based off like a book, I think. But then it's also like the, oh, with Paul Rudd and yeah, but, Steven, but it's Steven, the concept Steven, of Steve like Carell. there's also like a Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where people do the same thing, and it, it's ritzy people who invite wacky people, yeah, so make for their own entertainment. Yeah. But it's like here's the metahuman gala where it's like I invited all these metahumans so I can showcase them or like I can I can see them like a. Like a menagerie or something. And then at what point does that difference from a hall of justice? Well, that's that's their own <laughs> convention of things. You know, it's like we just join up. But it, like, this is different. This is like so. You're saying there needs to be like a barbecue of all these metahumans. That that happens. That's an injustice. Yeah, but I'm talking like this guy invited them without them knowing that they're all metahumans. I mean, they're all literally in his house. Like, he has some dominance over them, right? Like, look at the power I have. I have invited you all in here, and you can't do anything about it. Like, it's... Yeah. And you don't even know that. 
you, each other is a metahuman. Only I know that. And you guys are... And then make it into a whodunit. You guys are entertaining me because I get to see your psychosis interact with each other. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. It would have been... It would have been too much, but at the same time, it would have been cool if, like, also Barry Allen was invited for some dumb reason. He's just eating shrimp in the Yeah, thing. or just there's a drunk uh, Pacific Islander who's in the <laughs> other room, and he's not wearing a shirt, and he's throwing axes or something. Like, And it's like, it's just one of those things that would have been really interesting. And people are like, who are all you, these weird people you've that's really, invited? Are you, are you being serious, or you really wanted to see that? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to see that. But at the same time, it's it just fun to think about. It would, been, it's, it would have been interesting to know that he invited more than like he invited anyone that was like in his metathesis like folder. Yeah. Obviously, you can't invite Victor Stone because what are you going to do with that guy? <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry, I'm coughing. <clears throat> but yeah, I didn't. I don't want to see that. I didn't. And I'm not asking for that to have been a thing. But I'm just saying that's. I think you should write that I think, story. I think his gala was also like, oh, let me invite some metahumans so I can study them closer or something. Yeah, man. But that's just me. Um, did I talk for too long? Do you guys have anything else? For <laughs> no, this that's it, man. We I, can end it. I do, have, I do have two things, actually. Oh. Um, Go for it. There's an Easter egg on Alfred's screen. Um, it says Oracle Network. Did you guys catch that? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... What? Um, let me get back into this. Open this minute back up. It's very small on the screen. Do you, do you guys have the uh, the minute open? I'm looking at yeah. it. Yeah, Mark's got it. Mine's not. Okay, at one uh, <laughs> for eight. Forty-two seconds. There, right. Yeah. I'm there. Okay, so there's. Um, you see where it says transfer complete? There's a big square. I see. And then under that, in the upper left of that square, it says Oracle Network. It's right above Alfred's shoulder. Yeah, I see it. Yep. It's a little Easter egg. That's- it is. So yeah. It makes you Oracle Network wonder what happened if Barbara Gordon existed in this timeline and what happened. I have a question. Uh, did did Barbara exist in Nolan's trilogy? Because I know there's an emphasis on Gordon's son, but there's also a daughter, and I don't know if that was ever supposed to be Barbara. Um, um, I can't remember if they named her or not, but I think there was a daughter. They certainly never made a big deal of it, and it never mattered to the plot. Yeah, I guess not. But um, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many people have been involved in in this Batman's life as far as like sidekicks go, because um, we just see the one Robin costume, which like is was uh, was there only one Robin? Was was it Jason Todd? Uh, maybe it was a maybe a woman wore that costume. You know, maybe. Maybe Barbara Gordon. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just assuming Zack Snyder had her shot in the head like every other nice supporting character. Well, we could hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it, it suggests a lot that Batman is now so alone and like just so isolated that any other character he had in his life is gone for some reason. But then again, is like, is it would this Batman have more than one or would he just have the one and, and no more after that because of, I mean, cause it's Batman- it seems like you get burned once. You don't want to do it again. Yeah. Kind of thing. Especially in like a real world setting. It's not like, 
I'm just gonna just be like, it's like, oh, this Robin well, that died. dead. I guess I need another one. Yeah, like, well, they they allude to try again. previous heroes, and he says like, you know, how many stayed good or how many stayed that way or something. It, yeah. it suggests there were a lot more heroes in his life, at least allies. I don't know Could if they be. were the costume superheroes, but at least there were allies that are no longer yeah. around. I got yeah. a fun theory with that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute. And you can find us on toolmedia.com where you can find the rest of our shows. And we also have a Patreon if you're interested. Uh, For only $5 a month, you get three bonus episodes, one monthly and two weekly every weekend. Um, including one where Nathan and I, every Saturday, we drop a episode where we review comic books chosen by our patrons. Uh, so be on the lookout for those. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute. <laughs>